0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Eating Crow with Pete Durand. Hey everyone, we're back for some more Eating Crow. Today we have Wes Clater. Wes is a good friend. And also an inspiration. He has seen some things in his life that most of us will never experience. And he opens up in this episode in a way that none of our guests ever have. It's raw. It's real. And I'd like to give Wes a lot of props for preparing for today. We, we dove into some issues that any leader, entrepreneur, human being can resonate with. Loss, challenges, setting a plan to overcome these things, and, and needing the support of family and friends Wes is really a passionate guy. He has a brand that he's building on LinkedIn and through his blog that will inspire and touch, I think, a lot of people, even if it's just one person. Thank you, Pete. Pleasure. Uh, yeah, real excited to be here. You are an endurance athlete. Some people don't even know what that is, but you run a crazy amount of miles. Tell us why you started that and kind of what it's done to impact your life.
1: Sure. Well, first, I just wanted to touch on something real quick, Pete, um, you know, the, the Peter Durand effect, I'll call it. Um, so so a little while ago, about a year, a year or so ago, I had published a blog, um, titled a year removed and and we'll touch on some stuff that, that was, uh, you know, encased in that, but, um, you had gone ahead and shared it on LinkedIn. And I noticed a really quick jump in reach and engagement on that post, which was quite interesting to me. Um, and then you know some follow up from that i started having strangers complete strangers reaching out to me commenting on it uh, even shooting me private messages um and it was really cool but what it also did for me was it helped me to believe in my ability to write you know mm-hmm. first and foremost um you know a lot of us i think struggle with imposter syndrome you know it's sure. all over the place um and when you start putting content out there there's a lot of fears and insecurities so it first allowed me to kind of bridge that gap, uh, but what it also did was allowed me to connect with people through my words, right. and it allowed me to gain more confidence in my purpose, so I just wanted to thank you for the Pete Durand effect, <laughs> and uh, a little side note, it, it is also still my most popular post to date. So just Well, cool that's,
0: little... that's great to hear. I'm glad to be a part of it, and it resonated yeah. with me, uh, so you, to your point, yeah. just a little affirmation around you can help people build a little confidence. And your writing is some of the most raw and real writing on LinkedIn, so you you got to keep it up. And I, and I think you know we'll drill into that post. By the way, right? That's that's pretty meaty. We're going to yeah. get there, but where we'll start is this this endurance thing that you're doing and the mental and physical punishment you're putting through your body. But the product, right? The end game and yeah. what it produces for you. Tell us again why why did you jump into that, and what have the rewards and challenges been?
1: yeah yeah so um you know just uh how i got there so it was the end of uh 2017 and uh, i just made the decision to leave my corporate job i was working for a, a rental car agency um and i had put a lot of time and effort into climbing the ladder there and, and was doing well but i was suffering uh, on a personal level mm-hmm. um, you know i, I You know, it was becoming miserable. I was hard to be around. I was becoming out of shape. And previous to that, you know, I used to be a personal trainer. I went to school for exercise science and, you know, I prided myself on, you know, being in good physical shape and and having a good mental hold of things. And I found myself kind of losing grip there. And and not only that, you know, I was also starting to fuel um, some of my underlying addictions in regards to nicotine and alcohol. Um, So that being said, I, I left the job. And it was the beginning of 2018. And one of my buddies, uh, Bryce Mahoney, shout out to Bryce, he um, he was promoting Run Ranger Run. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Uh, It's part of Gallant View. And uh, what Run Run Ranger Run is, is every February, um, it's a month long event where the sole purpose is to create teams and to amass as many miles as you can while building awareness and raising funds for transitioning army rangers that are going from, you know, active service back into civilian life. Um, and, and you know, I think there's no secret that that's a struggle for many of our service people, but, you know, Run Ranger Run's sole purpose was to focus on army rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, you know, I, I thought it was a great purpose. It was a great cause to get behind and a friend was asking for support. So I said, let me jump into this and just have some fun and, and try to, do my part to support him. Um, you know, after the month ended out, I, I looked back and I was like, holy shit, I ran over hundred miles this month and I was maybe running three miles a month in you know previous months and years. Sure. So I was like, all right, let me go ahead and, and just sign up for a marathon while I'm, you know, building up this volume. It's something I wanted to check off on a list, never thought I would do it. Uh, but let me just give it a shot. So I signed up for a marathon. It was the uh new river marathon out in boone north carolina mm-hmm. and that was in june of 2018 it was miserable i was underprepared uh, mm-hmm. i uh you know i suffered greatly out there um but you know i'm competitive and and i was like you know this is interesting because i'm not competing against the front runners i'm competing against myself mm-hmm. and that was really enticing for me it gave me a, an active target to work towards um there are no barriers. You know, if, if, if you're competing against elites or even on a one-to-one sport, I used to be involved in Brazilian jiu-jitsu very heavily. Mm -hmm. And every time I go to compete, I would always hang my losses up and say, Oh, I didn't have as much time on the mat as that guy, or, or I'm busy working, or I've got family obligations with running. It's always just, you know, how am I progressing? Am I getting better? Am I, you know, valuing this? Um, So yeah, so the marathon went horribly, but I knew I wanted to stick with it and do better. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was also just proving to be a very good therapeutic process for me to to kind of go through some other things I was dealing with at the time. Well, then that led into uh, August of 2018, my wife and I were expecting our son, and, uh, you know, he was born and there were many complications during the the, the process there. And, you know, I've written about this publicly. and, And that's kind of the post i was talking about before about a year removed that was mm-hmm. me processing the loss of our son um, and that's what happened you know after four days of of you know struggling and trying to figure out what we were going to do uh, we did lose our son in the hospital um so from that point you know things were definitely a little bit crazy and chaotic and uh you know difficult to deal with but you know i had running so I more or less doubled down there. I started putting a lot more time on the feet. I was uh, you know, getting more involved with group runs, just trying to find ways to immerse myself in in running. Um, but what also was happening was I was recognizing that I was losing control of my drinking as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and not a good look, but hey, it's it was the coping strategy at the time. Run, mm-hmm. drink, and uh wake up, rinse, repeat. Mm-hmm. Um So, you know, some things happened between then leading up to the end of the year. I ran another marathon, uh, City of Oaks in in, uh, Raleigh here, and that one went exceptionally better than my first one. So I was like, okay, I see the progress, the the hours are working. um, I'm getting value out of this, but the drinking was still a problem. Um, And then that all kind of came to a head right on New Year's Eve of 2018. Um, I had a friend over, I was hanging out with my wife, my friend, everything was great. And then I think I had one too many and I woke up the next morning, realizing that I think I was both a jerk to my friend and my wife. And, uh, it was that morning when I I looked at myself in the mirror and and I decided, um, you know, I'm going to eat my final dish of alcohol related crow. And, uh, I made the decision that morning to quit drinking and not smoke cigarettes and just start to get my life back on track. And I actually that we signed up for my f- first ultra marathon. Um, and, you know, if n- nobody's aware of what an ultra marathon is, what it is, is just any any distance longer than a traditional marathon of twenty six point two miles. Um, and, you know, they have 50 K's, they have 50 milers and beyond, and it gets pretty crazy from there. Um, but, you know, I just I jumped in, you know, I, I went for it and started signing up for ultra marathons. You know, not to bog you down with all the details, but to just fast forward to today, um, I've now been nicotine and alcohol free for over a year and ten months. You know, since New Year's Day of, mm-hmm. of twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, and uh, I've ran a handful of ultra marathons, and uh, I'm actually preparing for my first hundred miler uh, in this upcoming June. So that's kind of the how and the why.
0: There's a, so much to take in there for our listeners, and our and our listeners are are leaders and entrepreneurs who have had a pivotal moment in their life, right? Eating crows, something has caused them to change their views. And there's nothing more powerful than the story you went through, particularly the loss of a child, which as you mentioned, is the first post that I saw you write. And to this day, I think is one of the best posts I've ever seen written on LinkedIn. Very few people recognize they have a natural writing style. You do, and you're not trying to do anything in your post. You're just simply putting your feelings on paper and sharing it with everyone. Let's talk about a couple of things you mentioned just in that in that recap you know when you when you first started running for this cause run ranger run ranger run which is a wonderful cause you know it's probably a blessing that you were engaged in that behavior before you went through what you went through in 2018 absolutely you had a physical outlet even though you were still dealing with the other addiction demons when you think about the miles you've put in and i'm curious about your wife watching you do this and, and letting you know you need that outlet still, despite the drinking, she's there supporting you. Describe how the two of you worked through that process. And quite frankly, I, I have not met your wife, but I'm, I'm kind of picturing Superwoman and Captain <laughs> Marvel all rolled into one, right? She's She's been through it. She lost a child yeah. as well, and she almost lost her husband. So how did yeah. you guys weather that storm?
1: Yeah, um, teamwork, communication, and just uh, being real with each other, you know? Good. When, when you're going through grief and you're going through the cycle, mm-hmm. you know, not every day is going to be uh, you know, strong. Not every day is going to be clear and understanding that and just knowing that these things aren't personal, it's part of, of the process and you have to go through it, makes it a little bit easier. You know, I'm no stranger to grief. I lost my brother going on 11 years now to cancer and that was... Uh, my first big trauma and what running was helping me to work through initially and uh so i thought that i was a pro with grief and i recognized a lot of these things but you know comparing a loss of a brother to a loss of a son is is not apples to apples Mm -hmm. uh the way i was telling myself it was going to be and just kind of navigating through it while recognizing similarities but also realizing you know i was in over my head and, and i needed support so by sharing that with my wife and kind of i wouldn't say leading but giving her that example and then just letting her know and, and seeing you know, i think i was far more emotional in the first couple of months there where i think she was still in, in a stock shape or a shock state but by being open and vulnerable to her it allowed her to also open up to me and then just working through it together you know it was just monumental you know a lot of times things like these can can break or make a relationship in a marriage and it very much made ours and brought us together. Uh, but I am lucky. I mean, I, I listen to some of my friends when I sign up for races and and they talk about my wife's giving me shit. Oh, uh, like I don't know. I'm gonna tell her I signed up for this. Meanwhile, my wife's just always trying to find out how she can come to the races just to sit around for hours while, you know, I'm out there in the woods running around for God knows what reason. Sure. And uh she's she's there though to support me and uh I recognize that and I know how lucky I am. So I think both of us realize how how lucky and grateful we are for each other.
0: Well, you know, it's an amazing demonstration of the power of communication. Absolutely. And you're right. It's at the heart of any strong marriage or any relationship in general is being open with each other and being vulnerable and, and saying, this is what I'm going through. This is how I'm feeling. And then the most important part is for that person to have the empathy and the compassion yeah. to understand it and then engage. It's pretty tough to do. Particularly as yep. you're both as you're both grieving right like oh. you described that wes when I when I consider the story and I consider the fact that you're now doing all these endurance events how has that impacted the people who are following your blog and people you work with what's their response been like it's been very
1: positive it's it's been surprisingly positive I mean I would say that like what ultra running has done for me and just you know being open in general has done mm-hmm. for me it, it's just uh it's allowed me to connect with people on a different level. And it's, it's been, I don't know, it's very, it's a very weird thing to kind of wrap my head around. You know, I, I, I'm kind of doing something public, but it's something that's very personal. And sometimes I get mixed reviews, but.
0: And for you to put out the level of depth that you're doing, I, I told you this, you're building a brand and that brand is not, a, it's not, a, it's not driven by ego your brand is that I'm going to put this out there in the hopes that someone can benefit from it. And it's raw. Yeah. It's real. It's uncomfortable. You are not a raw, raw guy. Right. And, and I think that's one of the things I respect about you. So for you to write that first post, I thought, Holy cow, Wes really put himself out there. So there are people that respond to it and you're right. The network is building. There are people looking at this going, I can, and again, when people first start posting a blog or a podcast or, you know, getting active on a social media channel, they're wondering, will anybody care? Yeah. It's pretty remarkable how much people care for the right content.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, just, uh, you know, after, shortly after our son passed, you know, I began writing, like, like we said. And, Mm -hmm. um, the reason why I was doing it was to start processing my grief. And for some reason, you know, I made the choice to do it publicly through writing a blog and doing it regularly. And, uh, you know, the, the tone and the purpose and the messaging behind all of my posts are, are very varied. It's not a consistent message. And mm-hmm. I think it's me just trying to be authentic and expose how the brain works, how I digest this stuff and, you know, what I find from it, what I uncover and what might be helpful to somebody else that's possibly struggling in a similar or dissimilar way, but struggling nonetheless. Again, I don't know why I decided to do that initially, but it just felt like the right move. Um, and much like the, the, the post that you'd shared for me, but just some of the other ones that I've put out there, I, I noticed after time, people would start direct messaging me and sharing stories of their own loss, their own pain, um, their own suffering. And they were beginning to connect with me on a very personal level. And they were also thanking me for, for putting my story out there. And that's when I realized, you know, not only did it just have such an impact on me, but it re- made me realize that maybe I have a greater purpose. Maybe this isn't all, you know, delusion and and <laughs> psychotherapy sure. on a public level. Maybe uh, I have a message to share that could help somebody. You know, that cliche is, you know, if what I do, if, if doing X, Y, or Z helps or impacts one person in a positive way, then it was worth it. Well, I've, I've seen countless examples where it has helped, you know, a handful of people, um, you know, many people at this point, for me, that just shows me that everything's going to be okay, and uh, to just keep doing my work. And it it also, you know, it more importantly reminded me that I'm not alone in my suffering. Mm -hmm. And neither are those people that are communicating with me. So again, you know, just a reminder that we're all in this together, everything's going to be okay. And just keep doing your work.
0: You know, I've noticed in this might not have been an intentional uh, objective of what you're doing, but it's going to help people talk with other people who've gone through this kind of suffering because they don't know how to ha- have this conversation. Yeah, And what they don't recognize is, is people want you just to be openly direct about it. Let's not, yeah. let's not avoid the elephant in the room for me to say, Hey, Wes, I'm so her- So, you know, sorry to hear about your son. How are you dealing with this? Allows them to open up. And if you don't yeah. talk about it, then they feel like they can't talk about it. The fact that you're doing this, people can read your posts and go, Maybe it's okay for me to talk to Joan about the fact that her her mother passed or her sister passed or that Bob just got out of treatment and is really struggling with addiction. Maybe it's okay to talk to him about it and let him know it's not a stigma. You can share it. We're here to support you. That's the thing that I've noticed about your post that that's opening the it's opening the dialogue.
1: I'm glad that uh, you you recognize what I'm doing there because, like mm-hmm. you said, uh, you know I'm not pushing you know, a product or a service or anything out there. I'm, uh, like I said, I'm just exploring my own, my own inner thinking and what's going on in my head and sharing it there to hopefully resonate with somebody and, and help change your life. You know, I'm not a grief counselor. I'm not a mental health professional by any means. Nope. Um, But I think I have some, at least some advice or some suggestions to to help somebody feeling stuck or feeling like they're suffering. You know, we talked about a little bit before, but you know, finding a physical, and a creative outlet for your pain are, are two huge huge pieces of that that foundation to starting to to get into a better place personally you know regular exercising creative exploration are going to be fundamental for feeling good and, and motivated and energized it also expose you to people also you know just considering volunteering or doing charity work you know run ranger run i jumped into it because. not only was it supporting a friend but it was something that was going to make me feel good about what i was doing when i wasn't feeling so good you know being being of service to others often leads to you know greater feelings of self-worth and value and i can speak of that uh, from experience and then you know just removing vices removing things that aren't serving you um, whether through your own determination or you know through seeking professional help whatever it takes But if you recognize that a behavior or an activity that you engage in regularly is detrimental to your your life, then you need to figure out a way to, to get out of your own way. And like I said, either through determination or through help. And just lastly, you know, like, like you said, just finding someone or some way to talk about whatever's bothering you. It's crucial to not suffer in silence. You know, talk to your friends, talk to your family, talk to a therapist. Or publish your blog for the entire world to read if they choose to. Right. Whatever it is to to get it out there and start working for it. But you have to get it out of your head and into the world so that you can start working on solving the problems with your support network, whatever that looks like.
0: You know, you kind of took the leap and you did it first, right? You said, I'm going to throw this out there. And the fact that people are reacting to it, it's a lesson for all leaders, it's a lesson for coworkers, family members, et cetera, to engage when you lost your brother, how old were you and how old was he?
1: Uh, He was 24 and I think I just turned 20. Okay. Yeah.
0: Older brother. That's tough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was, you know, he was cream of the crop, you know, and uh, I, I definitely derived a lot of my motivations and uh, you know, just what it is to be a good person. He, Mm -hmm. he lived it. I think if, if anyone was to be asked that knew my brother, they would have nothing but positive things to say about him. Sure, um, but you know the good die young, and uh, unfortunately, he didn't get to live out his potential. So I, I kind of feel like, even though I got misguided dealing with that for a few years, you know, I value potential. I value uh, the purpose of life and and trying to get all that I can out of this and to make a positive change. Not only because you know I think that that's the best avenue to to go through life, but um, also just cause I feel like I, I, owe it to him.
0: Now let's walk through a couple steps for our listeners that I want yeah. to tap into that you've, you've really applied in your life. So one, the physical aspect, the exercise component two, the discipline to curb your addiction mm-hmm. and manage that. So someone listening to this podcast, they woke up this morning to struggling with one or both of those issues what's the first thing you would suggest to that person to say, Hey, look, this is how you can get through to the other side tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Well, I would probably, um, I'd probably be honest and tell somebody you're not going to get there tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, But that doesn't mean you don't start today. You know, I taught, I wrote a blog about micro adjustments Mm -hmm. and it's something that I've been kind of putting a lot of stock into lately in my personal life because, you know, there's a lot of things, I mean, we all struggle. And there's things in my life that, while I feel like I've got a handle on this, now I struggle here. And that's just the constant, you know, ebb and flow of being a human. Not addressing something isn't going to fix it. It's not going to make things better. So, you know, if it's exercise, you know, what's what's one thing that if you were to do one small adjustment today, one micro adjustment today, um, and if you did it consistently, a year from now, do you think you'd be closer to that goal? And if the answer is yes, then I'd say start there. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be, you know, walking down to the end of your street or walking, you know, around the block with your family. Whatever it is, something small that you can do today. You know, you don't want to jump all in and get discouraged because you failed, uh, but something you can do today that's sustainable and consistent that you can build upon. I would say the same thing with with drinking. You know, I didn't start I didn't go cold turkey just because of one bad you know, New Year's uh, Eve night. Um, it was a plan. It was a buildup. I was starting to recognize these issues and I was working on trying to remove as much of it as I could. But that being said, you know, it, it's it's a constant balance of finding what's sustainable and what's not. So again, don't expect to get there tomorrow, whatever it is that you're struggling with, but make an adjustment and no matter how small it is, if it's going to get you there, if you believe you will get closer to what it is you're trying to achieve a year from now by doing that consistently, then do that and build on it.
0: Yeah, I I had ran across an article from a woman who was trying to help her daughter exercise. Her daughter didn't want to do it, was struggling with her weight. And the name of the article was, uh, was one light pole at a time. Yep. So she went out and walked with her daughter. And then said, we're just going to get to that light pole. And the yep. next time they walked, they said, we're going to get to the next light pole. And before yep. he knew it, they were jogging to the first light pole and then they would walk to the next one. And she built that up over a period of time. So her daughter recognized the, the dopamine hit by hitting the next light pole. Yep. And you they have, to, you
1: have to be able to achieve the goals in order to to continue to stay motivated and stay on task, right? It's, it's the same thing in business. It's, it's you know, if, if you fail, you know, that's not going to help you. So don't set the bar too high to begin with, you know, make it realistic, but make it achievable, but do the work.
0: Sure. Yeah. The micro adjustments, it's a great, it's a great analogy for people to think about. I'm going to go walk to the end of my street today. Yeah. And, you know, the addiction side can be a little more challenging, where Especially if there's a chemical thing involved, you got to figure out how to get your body to go through that process. Uh, you'd have to have to lean in other people or potentially get the professional help you need to deal with it. But yeah. um, if you start to channel your your physical and emotional side of your life, then those chemical things become a little bit easier to manage because you've got your body chemistry in a, in a place where it's getting it when it needs, but through mm-hmm. a different outlet.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I said it in one of my writings. I actually think it was in the, the end of that that one post that you mm-hmm. removed. But at the end of it, you know, I kind of recapped it by saying, you know, your life is only as good as you choose to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can make the choice to live a good and happy life. And it, it sounds easier than done. But just going back to just before, you know, making small, consistent micro adjustments to ultimately get you there can get you there but you have to do the work, no one else can do it for you. So, you know, whether it's, it's getting your drinking under, under control or getting in shape or building a business, becoming an entrepreneur, uh, you know, getting through, you know, struggle and, and trauma, all these things, you can ultimately get there through small changes but you have to make that choice. You have to make the decision and you have to get behind it because you can't be motivated by other people to do these things. You have to want these things enough to make the changes and do the work.
0: You posted an article and a video that captured your first 100 mile week.
1: Yeah.
0: And I wanna, I wanna jump into that because it was a great, gritty, long-haired version of West Post. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the most uh, eye-opening video shots you'll see of you in the run, during the run, after the run, in, in particular, as you started to ramp this mileage up, you started to encounter some injuries. Yeah. The the video of you working through the injuries, right? The the hammer, the 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 rolling, the ART, the the stretching. Most people would have stopped right there. Yeah. Right. You you got do you have to do twenty miles that day? You've done ten, and you're in extreme agony to do another ten. Crazy. You mentioned how do you build a company? How do you battle addiction? Compare while finishing that 10-mile run and saying, my knee just isn't going to cut it, but going back to your house, rehabbing it, resting, and then getting out and running another 10 in extreme pain. That has to be the same thing if you're having a setback on an addiction or you lost your biggest investor, et cetera. Describe kind of what that looks like.
1: So, yeah, I mean, if, if you have a goal in mind or if there's something that you're trying to work towards, there are going to be setbacks. And that was just going back to what we talked about before about, you know, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It, what you want is not going to be an overnight success. Sure. And it requires uh consistent work at it. And that's that's how I set out my hundred mile week. You know, I, I had a goal in mind and I knew I needed to reach it and I knew that there was going to be struggles throughout the week. Um, but when they inevitably came up as i was expecting them to because i was being realistic with with my physical capacity at the time and where i was in my training you know i didn't freak out i didn't i didn't abandon ship i didn't say you know i'm not good enough or you know i'm not ready to do this or you know you should just you know call it a day i reassessed i looked at some things like okay what can i do like you said i went back and i stretched and i i used the the theragun and No, I I rolled it out and I worked through it and did it make it better? Uh, no, but it made it manageable enough for me to feel like, okay, I I can squeeze a little bit more out. And then I went out and, and I just slowed down, but, but stuck to the goal and made sure that I was still hitting what I set out to do. And I think that's, and like I said, at the end of the week, I wound up wrapping it up and, uh, You know, wound up making the 100 mile week and it didn't go according to plan. It didn't go as easy as I wanted it to, um, you know, that previous Sunday before I set out that Monday morning to start the week. But at the end of the the week, I achieved my goal and and I leveled up, at least in my mind. And when you look at business or if you look at, you know, struggling with addiction or whatever the case may be, um, you're going to have those setbacks more often than not. I've seen people do it and I recognize that it's not an overnight success. You always see those memes. People think success looks like this in actuality, it's this, and that's true. But if every time you encountered a setback or you lose an account or a customer's unhappy with you, if you just decided to close up shop, you know, then, then you failed in my mind, um, you didn't achieve what you set out to do. You got scared away by the struggle struggle is, is needed. It's inevitable. It makes you stronger. And it, it, it helps you figure out what doesn't work so that you can then figure out what does work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And same thing with addiction. I mean, if every setback or, you know, as they say, falling off the wagon, you know, say if I woke up tomorrow and I had a drink and then I just said, ah, oh, shit, you know, all my year and 10 months progress is now gone. Cause I had a minor setback. I'm just going to start drinking again, you know, that, and then I failed and all that progress for what, so it, it's really a matter of, of seeing how far you've come or seeing, you know, the, the, the truth of the grind and accepting it and pushing through it because it's going to get hard and you should expect that and you should learn from it and you should ultimately push through.
0: There's another couple of good lessons there. First of all. You said, I can trust myself to hit this goal, which means I can trust myself not to have that drink. I can trust myself to get out of bed and do my workouts and do my job. That that starts to build a lot of self-value, self-worth. Your wife and your daughter and your friends see you hit that goal. And yeah. now when Wes says, I'm gonna be a better husband, I'm gonna be a better father, I'm not gonna drink, they go, Wes can do that. He he can he can make that happen. So the trust that you're earning and extending to other people is really important. And it, it applies in other 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 lessons for people who are listening. Let's say you've got a a, a weight problem or a, a food addiction. Having one bad day doesn't mean all the work you did in the previous three months to lose weight goes away. You get up, you dust yourself off and say, I'm going to do better tomorrow, and then you hit it. And then yep. the, the, the gap between the next bad day is longer. And then maybe yep. that bad day isn't as bad. If you're going to exercise and you begin and you say, I'm going to do 10 reps with this weight, do 10 reps. If that means you got to do five and put it down and pick it up and do another five, mentally you've told yourself I've accomplished that. And that's hard for people. I I know you do. I approach every workout with a goal and I do not stop till I hit the goal. It's not pretty every time. (laughs) There are runs that are bad, runs that are good, but at least you can tell yourself I've just accomplished something that makes me more confident I can apply it in other parts of my life
1: yeah and and like you said it's it's not pretty all the time and it shouldn't be if you're challenging yourself if you're truly putting yourself out there or pushing yourself or challenging yourself it shouldn't be pretty all the time and i think that's kind of you know an an underlying message that i think i'm maybe subconsciously trying to put out there by being public with everything that i'm doing is trying to reduce the stigma like we talked about about being vulnerable or, or opening up or talking about things that might be taboo or make people feel uncomfortable, Uh, but more importantly, trying to expose that, you know, we get caught up in the social media world and the highlights and, you know, people talk about it all the time. But yeah, everyone's Instagram representation or Facebook representation is not what life is really like behind closed doors or in between their ears. And I think that we're doing each other a disservice if we constantly are signaling that everything's great and everything's perfect all the time and look at my highlights. Because when people are struggling, you know, whether it's with weight or with substance or in business, and all they see is these highlights out there, well, then it's so much easier to get discouraged and, and quit because it's not going as easy as it went for this person or that person, but you don't understand what the story is for that person or the struggle or the day to day issues that they're still dealing with that sure. that you think have all gone away. So I, I think by exposing the fact that it's OK to not be OK, sometimes it's OK to struggle because there's a greater mission at, at hand or there's a greater goal. And while I had this setback or or this issue, that doesn't mean that that, you know, it's broken. It just means it's part of the process and and we should all be aware of it and stay stay the course. You know, things aren't as bad as, as they seem. And right. we are oftentimes our greatest you know, enemy or our greatest roadblock. And a lot of times it's a matter of outlook and the story we're telling ourselves and the choices we make more than anything. Yeah. Um, so if, if you can work towards fixing those or at least um, addressing them, and, and like we said before, just putting some, some goals on paper or just figuring out a, a process towards a, a purpose, um, I think everybody would, would be much more positive. Do you, do you write down your goals for the week? Uh, I tell myself I'm going to, and sometimes I try to, but then I never refer to it. So, um, you know, I use Strava for running that app and that's, that's been helpful for me because you can set like a weekly goal in there and an annual goal. So that keeps me accountable there. Perfect. Um, and then, you know, I, I started doing, uh, you know, the 5 a.m. wake up. I began that um, little back in the beginning of 2018 when I started all this. Mm-hmm. Um, and every morning, you know, I get up at 5 a.m., you know, without missing it. And uh, either I read or I write or I run. It's one of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that when I started trying to write down my weekly goals, it became too much of a uh, a job. It wasn't as organic or natural as I wanted it to be. And and it felt like I was having to do these things for something other than what I was trying to do. Great point. So I came back to what's working for me and why, why am I doing this to begin with? So if I felt like writing something that day, I'd write. If I knew I had a bigger week in miles to get, I'll go and run. And, uh, you know, if, if neither one was enticing, or if I just felt like I needed a a break or just to relax, then I pick up a book, but. While I don't write down my goals, I am disciplined in making sure that I'm up every day at five with a purpose and I stick to it.
0: Well, that's great. And and you're right. A lot of people's brains work differently. Some people have to write that down to put themselves accountable. I block all my exercise, my workouts, my calendar a week or a month ahead and make sure that I protect that time. But the 5 a.m. thing, I am a huge believer in the early morning riser analogy. A couple of reasons. Nobody schedules a meeting at 5 a.m. So that time's pretty safe. My family, especially when I had young kids like you, they're not up at 5 a.m. Clear my head for the day and sometimes get my best work out of the way. Mm Mm-hmm you know a cup of yeah. coffee boom i'm off in in whether it's researching something or writing a linkedin post or whatever it might be it's a great time to get that done so good advice for everybody and especially people that say i'm not a morning person no one's a morning person
1: yeah <laughs> discipline
0: it's discipline <laughs> and you can't yeah. get that time back you know and it forces you to go to bed a bit earlier cuz most people don't recognize well it's not productive they're watching tv they might say that's when i relax but you know what you're you're losing it's an opportunity time, you
1: know? yeah that's time it's screen time you,
0: you could you could go to bed recharge your mind your body and your soul get up and be much more productive so i always try to pass that advice on to people that boy that, that rest is so important in that early morning time is just the most productive time for almost all of us
1: people don't want to hear it though they don't want to hear get up earlier yeah. <laughs> but it, i mean like you said it no one's a morning person i, I mean i say i am but there, i mean there's three out of seven days a week where I just want to hit the snooze or, or turn it off and go back to sleep even now after two years of doing it. But, you know, more so as, as a husband and a father, you know, when you're ultra running and you're training and you're doing hours upon hours of, of training a week, I mean, there's only so much time that you can find to be selfish. Yes. And so I yes. found that, yeah, you got to get it out in the morning. And, and like you said, it's just, it's precious time in the morning to gather your thoughts explore creativity. Um, if you're an anxious person by nature, I know I am. It allows me to just collect my day and, and put my agenda out of things that I need to knock out so that when I do hit the day, you know, running, I feel a lot more prepared and, and, you know, well scheduled.
0: There are very few people who have achieved success without picking up this habit. And most of them, as soon as they put their feet in the ground and get up, they already feel like they've won the day. Absolutely. And it's it's very powerful. Well, Wes, this has been a very called deeply powerful and and personal episode. And there's a lot here for our listeners. And I really appreciate you taking the time to open up and, and and share your thoughts. And we will continue to follow you on LinkedIn. For those of you who would like to know where to reach Wes, I'm going to put his information in the show notes, his LinkedIn profile, and his blog, so you can follow along with Wes and his journey. And hopefully, it helps you. Like to your point, Wes, if one person's listening to this and it changes their life, mission accomplished.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on, Pete. I love uh, listening to all of your content and reading what you're putting out there. Like I said, I think you're doing great work. And uh, yeah, let's continue to, uh, to strive for better.
0: We'll get another episode because I want to hear how this 100-mile thing went. <laughs> Sounds good, man. <laughs> Can't wait for well, that happy video. Holidays, you too. Thanks, Wes. <laughs> Thanks for checking out Eating Crow. Like and subscribe so you never miss a video.